Hi, I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Thank you, Pastor Ferguson. And I'd like to thank whoever put my name in the mix here to, to be able to speak on the celebration of Asian Day. Here, I don't know how that uh, exactly went down, but I'm um, happy to be here. This is, I uh, told the first service, my first time getting to enjoy uh, church with the Southern Adventist University Church. Here, I've been at the Korean church uh, so much and maybe a couple other churches one or two times, but I'm happy to finally attend here. And it is a surprise to be speaking, but uh, a nice surprise to be speaking to you. Uh, so you've met my wife, Pastor Ferguson did a very good job with her. She's my claim to fame in the Asian world. And there I'm not, not Asian, unfortunately. Um, I don't even know Korean. I know that's the first question I always get asked when I say I'm the pastor at the Korean church. You speak Korean, you must speak Korean. But unfortunately I don't, just yet, just yet. Right here. We'll be working on that this summer, especially as my son starts to speak as well. Hopefully his first language will be Korean, and he can be bilingual, better than his father was growing up. Uh, but I'm happy to be speaking upon uh, something focused upon Asian culture. They have become very interested in it, of course, with my Asian wife, uh, but even before meeting her, I was very interested in the Asian culture. I was first introduced to it in a very nice way by going to a Thai restaurant. The food is what struck me the most there, and now Asian food is definitely my favorite food. Anybody else, Asian food, favorite food? Yes, Thai food, Chinese food, Korean food, uh, everything Asian I love uh, there. Well, I can't say everything, but most of it is very, very delicious there. The second uh, dive that I took into Asian culture was when I participated in a mission trip. And it was actually with, ooh, let me reset this here really quickly. Oh, sorry, I forgot my little, my little joke there. I'll, I'll, I'll save my wife the embarrassment of that one. There, I'll, ju I'll jump here. Uh, I got to go to the country of Laos. How many people know where Laos is? Know your geography there, smack dab in the middle of Vietnam and, well, what's to the left? Thailand and then Cambodia below it, China above it, landlocked little country. Uh, but I got introduced to a ministry called Unjai. That is, uh, in the Lao language, means warm heart. Warm heart. Uh, and that is the name we, we the, the organization named themselves that because of the Lao people, their warmness, their affection. Uh, the Asian people are very, very respectful. Very, very respectful. It's a collectivist culture. Uh, very welcoming when you get to know them. That's what I love also about Asian culture. Uh, they are very different from my culture, respect is not always the priority on our list of, of values, uh, but the Asian culture really brings that out, and I've felt that. Respect for elders, uh, respect for those in a position of authority, uh, they are very, very good. I, I love that about Asian culture. And I really saw that when I got to participate in this mission trip. Uh, some of you guys may recognize some of the students there. This is back in 2017, and most of them are Southern students with Melissa Moore, who used to work here in the missions department. Uh, there, I was not a Southern student, of course, back then, but got to participate. We went there and we did health expos and educated the people in Laos uh, on natural things that they can do to fight diabetes, heart disease, cancer, 
things that they really struggle with, and the health, health system in Laos is not anything to brag about. People are afraid to go to hospitals in Laos there because of the health. Education is not uh, what we're used to here in America there. So getting through to them with health is a very good entering wedge, as it is a communist country. So there's no open evangelism, there's no getting up, preaching an evangelistic series, running around handing out literature, all of that is illegal. And there, you're only allowed to have your worship service within the church building, even in your homes. You're not supposed to be having Bible studies uh, there, although it still goes on, but it is illegal. So you have to reach them uh, by influence, friendship, evangelism, health, these things. So I got to participate in this, and I experienced the warm-heartedness of the Asian culture when I was there. Uh, there. And especially those, um, those of the Lao people who were converted to Christianity carried that respect into Christianity, but then it was even more powerful because of their connection with Jesus. Uh, there, the pro of their, their culture became magnified when they learn about Jesus, see his life, seek to emulate him, and realize that his spirit can be in them, which I'm gonna talk about today uh, there. But uh, I want to, to, I'm emphasizing this because Asian religion is one that does not uh, put the emphasis on a personal God. And that's why I've entitled my sermon, The Blessing of a Personal God. Most Asian religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Confucianism, Shintoism, uh, whatever you name it, is mostly pantheistic type of thinking. So there is no personal God. God, the, the, the divine is a force that is in everything. There, there's no, there's no one to personally speak to all the time. No one, like as we do, praying to our God is very, very, very different uh, there. But that does bring a pro because the Asian people are, are very into um, maintaining harmonious relationships with one another. That's, that's part of where their culture comes from, the respect and the honor that they want to give to people, especially families there, the, the, the avoid, avoidance of shame, these things stem, I think, from their pantheistic roots. The idea of rebirth, the idea of karma, these different uh, things cause them to carry this respect from generation to generation. And I do enjoy that. But what happens when you don't have a personal God, and of course the true God, is that you can know that you are supposed to treat someone with respect. You can know that you're supposed to treat someone with love, but having the power to actually do that, having the power to actually love is absent if you do not have Jesus, if you do not have the God of love. That is a huge missing thing. And so, uh, I'm sure most of you may have heard this before, but in Asian culture, many people believe that a mask is being worn uh, in, in a lot of their cultures. That on the outside, yes, they appear very nice, but uh, on the inside, or you get to know them, and the mask comes off, you see it's not really like that. Uh, and in the Lao culture, I even experienced that. Very respectful uh, at first, but you can see uh, that their lives are ones that are not fulfilled. Living in a communist Laos, uh, their culture ruled by Buddhism, you can see a lot of anger creeping in. A lot of alcohol is consumed in Laos. When I was there, I heard it was the number one country, at least in the Asian realm, uh, for consumption of alcohol. People trying to drown away their sorrows, uh, people trying to drown away uh, the conflicts, whatever it is in their life that they are, they are unsatisfied with. And I believe the absence of a personal savior is what is killing them, eating them away 
insight. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about what happens when they do get introduced to uh, a personal savior and how mind-blowing it is and paradigm-shifting it is for them. Um, I'm gonna skip over that there. I wanna jump into the scriptures here and talk about now the importance of this personal savior, how the Bible emphasizes this personal relationship with Jesus, uh, and how the pros of Asian culture become magnified when you add in the, the secret ingredient, I guess, of this personal relationship. So look, come with me to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, as you're turning there or getting it loaded up in your electronic device, I'm going to pray one more time and we'll jump into the word. Father in heaven, uh, thank you so much, Lord, that we have this promise, this hope that we can have a relationship with you, that you're there to listen to us all the time, that you're there to help us through our struggles, uh, that we can unload all of our burdens, all, everything on our heart to you. And thank you for sending your son to show us personally who you really are. Help us to focus on that today. Help us not to take our relationship with you for granted, but help us to be changed by this relationship, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, I'm going to read. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John here gets very personal. John here paints this picture that, hey, my God was not just some impersonal force floating around within everything. My God stepped down in the flesh. I walked with him, I talked with him, I ate with him, uh, we slept together, we had to go on mission trips together, we got, we got in storms together, we got persecuted together, went through tough stuff together. He personally taught me, he personally walked me through and discipled me. All of these things I got to do with my God, and this is the God I want to proclaim to you as an eyewitness who has heard, saw, touched, handled this word of life, our God. He makes him very, very personal there. And then he says, I'm, I'm saying this, declaring this, so that you too can have fellowship with him. You too can have this personal relationship that I have got to enjoy with the God of the universe, with the creator. Here, I want all under the sound of my voice or who read my words to have this same relationship, John is saying, to come close to God. And this obviously changed his life. This obviously was very different from what other religions around were saying could happen. Uh, this was pretty much, it's, the, it's the, the pinnacle of Christianity, Jesus Christ stepping into the world. Not just being a God that, that John read about in the Old Testament, cool stories, but a God right next to him. And then he wanted everyone to experience this personal relationship with this personal God. For John, though, it, it, it had a profound change upon him. And there it wasn't just, uh, I got to be with God and now he's gone uh, and oh well, but <laughs> his relationship with Jesus propelled him forward in life. It changed his whole, I wouldn't say personality perhaps, but the way in which he lived his life 
dramatically shifted. Moving on to chapter two, I'm just gonna highlight some verses throughout the book of 1 John. Chapter two, verse three, he says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And here's why I'm getting at the fact that this is what we need, a personal relationship with Christ if we're truly gonna carry out the ethics and morals that we all know are good for society. Confucianism was very popular because it wasn't just a philosophy or a religion that you practice one day a week, but it was something that pervaded all government, it was something that pervaded the family structure, everything there. It changed the morality and the ethics of China and other cultures, and people enjoyed this. What John is saying uh, is that the relationship with Jesus is what makes this happen. It's what makes the good ethics and morals that every human being really knows are right within them because God has placed it there. They know it is right. It is only Jesus who can give you the power to do this. Uh, here, moving on to chapter three. I know I'm going through this pretty quick, but I'll stop and, and illustrate in just a moment. But chapter three, verse 16. Chapter three, verse 16. Still talking about this personal relationship with Christ and what Christ revealed to us. Chapter three, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Here, it's almost as if John says we wouldn't really fully have known what this love is except Jesus came personally to show us. Jesus stepped down in the flesh and went through with this sacrifice, went through with giving his life out of love for humanity. Now we can see God has actually shown us personally what love truly is. Then we see it revealed on the cross. And this is something that most other religions do not have. Here, the power revealed to us on the cross and how it moves and changes our life and our heart is something unique to Christianity. Uh, going on, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So Jesus' example that he showed to John, to all the disciples, to the world, John says it should lead you to that same type of action. It should lead us to doing, being willing to do the same type of thing for our brothers and sisters next to us. Whether your brother and sister annoys you or not, whether you like them or not, Jesus' love for humanity, Jesus' love for those who were even crucifying him, those who would put him through humiliating shame, those who would hurt him physically, mentally, and emotionally, he still loved them and showed his love. That's why Christians can do the same for those around them. And where does this power come from practically? I'm gonna jump now to verse 24 of the same chapter. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. And here's where the true power is revealed uh, here. Um, I'm tempted to think that the disciples had an advantage over me when it comes to a personal relationship with Christ. 
These guys got to be there. They got to see Jesus doing all his miracles. They got to talk to him, ask the questions that were on their mind in the moment. There, get an actual person speaking to them, answering these questions. There, they got to see him eating. They got to see his, his tone of voice, his facial expressions as he had dealt with people. Uh, I'm tempted to think that they had an advantage. But when we read the Gospel of John, chapter 16, I'm not going to go there. I'll just mention it. Chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, Jesus alludes to the fact that it's actually those who have the Spirit who have the advantage. There, there. John chapter 16, Jesus is explaining that he is about to go away. And the disciples are sad that he's saying this, that he's going to part from them, that their personal friend is going to leave. But Jesus gives them hope, saying, it's expedient that I go away. It's expedient that I go back to my Father. It's good for you that I do this. If I don't do this, the Spirit will not come to you. And then he goes on explaining what the Spirit will do, how the Spirit will reveal Christ to them, how he will reveal everything he taught to them, reminding them of all these things and how the Spirit would empower them to do greater works than Jesus ever did. There, at least on a wider scale, I should say. And there's what they would do because the spirit would be with them. Now, in an Asian religion, an Asian culture, pantheistic, this, this spirit is an impersonal force. Uh, there in modern day, if you need to look for an example, just watch a Star Wars movie or whatever. That's, that's pantheistic thought. There, placed it with creative license into a story there. The force, this, this wanting to balance light and dark and you don't really know what good and bad really is. There, this is the, the impersonal force of most Eastern religions. But in Christianity, the spirit is not some impersonal force. The, the spirit is the personality of God himself coming to you. God wants to be in us. And this is why I say there is no power. There is no power for true ethics without this Christian idea, without this personal relationship. God wants to make us into these holy temples that he might dwell within us and be there closer than any friend, than even any family member could be to us. Wanting us to, to burden him with everything that burdens us. Wanting us to go to him as we would go to a best friend when we're in a conflict or when we're dealing with something tough. Wanting us to go to him as we would go to any of our best mentors, our closest family members when we're dealing with the toughest things of life. God says, by the Spirit, I'm right here with you personally. But unfortunately, we take that for granted. Unfortunately, we don't take advantage enough of the personal relationship that we have a possibility of having with God. But that's where all the power comes from, this relationship with God and with his spirit. And John wants to emphasize this to his readers. I'm gonna jump now, uh, as I start to close down, to chapter five, to our scripture reading. Chapter five, John describes a a lot of things, but he ends this this letter speaking about the whole world and a little bit about this great controversy type of thing that we're familiar with in Adventism. Chapter five, verse 19, he says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Here he said there's a huge problem going on. Uh, I'm speaking to you, you guys know Jesus. You guys have a relationship with him. You've listened to my preaching. He's giving them uh, exhortation and a compliment. You've listened to it. We know that we're children of God, but unfortunately people outside don't have this personal relationship with God. 
And if they don't have this personal relationship with God, they are under the control of the evil one. But then he gives them hope, and I believe he also outlines a Christian mission as well in verse 20. Though the whole world is under the control of the evil one, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. There, so Jesus didn't stay in heaven. He came down to make sure that God's character is not misunderstood. He came down to make sure people knew who the true God of the universe really was, what he's really like, and gave perfect illustration by living a life as a human of who God is. We have had this understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. It's this understanding, this this knowing God, this relationship with God that John says, this is the answer. This enemy has control over the world. They need to know Jesus. You have got to know Jesus, he says to them. We know we have the understanding. Now we need to give it to other people. It is very, very important that they start to have this personal relationship with Christ. And as if to emphasize that, verse 21, he says, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. In other words, keep yourselves away from uh, things that are not the true gods. Keep yourselves from uh, compromising your relationship with the true God by something that is not real. Do not let something take the place of God because this relationship, this knowledge of God, continual knowledge of God, going on to know him better and better, this should be the center of your life. Make sure that nothing comes between that. And I think that's why in the Old Testament God describes himself as a jealous God, that he is the only one to be worshiped, he is the only one that they should be turning to because he knows how important it is. When you turn away from the relationship with God, when you start to distrust him, when he, when he becomes distant, that's when we get into trouble. When we get into sin, when we get into suffering, all of these things have come because of a break, a distrust with God, a break in that relationship with him. It is a blessing to have this personal God. I wanna end uh, the sermon here, close out with a story from my time in Laos, uh, from a friend of mine uh, that uh, I gained in Laos. Her name is Nut. And she grew up, obviously, in a communist country, Buddhist country. And uh, she grew up hearing in school that it was Jesus who told Americans to bomb their country during the Vietnam War. Uh, If you don't know, Laos is one of the most bombed countries in the world, and maybe number one uh, there. And that's because uh, heading to Vietnam to bomb Vietnam in the war, a bunch of bombs got dropped on that Vietnam-Lao border. And a bunch of them are still unexploded, actually. Some farmers have lost their lives by a bomb exploding decades later from the Vietnam War. Very dangerous. There's a, a whole organization that goes through trying to disarm these bombs, trying to find them with metal detectors and all types of equipment on the Lao Vietnam border. It's very, very dangerous. And so she grew up, uh, that's what they would say about Western Christianity, very negative. Jesus said to bomb, Jesus is the, the, is the reason for these problems. And they're a very negative view of Christianity. But there were missionaries there um, that she got uh, acquainted with, and through friendship evangelism, through time spent with them, she eventually saw their character. She saw their love. Uh, She became friends with some of them and started to ask questions. Why are you here? Um, Started to ask questions about Christianity. And they actually eventually started studying together. And the biggest shift, the biggest 
paradigm shift or mind-blowing thing is that God actually wants to have a personal relationship with her. That this creator of all the vast universe would care about a little speck, one little person, and that he would focus all his attention right on her. And for a lot of the Lao people, they say the same thing. This here, this personal relationship with God, the fact that we can have that, that's very different from Buddhism, very different from Eastern religions. And, there, and this is exciting. And there, When you can talk to God, when you can unburden yourself to God, for a person who hasn't had it in their life, they love this. Uh, I, I sort of relate with her. I, I grew up an atheist, not really knowing about this personal connection I could have with God. There, until I was 21, I really didn't know um, uh, that much about Christianity, even though I had a lot of Christian friends. And there, unfortunately, they acted just like me. They had the same habits and tendencies like me. They, they spoke like me uh, there, so I didn't really see any power in Christianity. But I was given a book called Steps to Christ. Anybody ever heard that book, Steps to Christ? I hope that we are reading books like that, so, so amazing. But the first chapter, if you've read it, you know it speaks about the love of God. And that was just something that was totally foreign to me. I never had heard exactly what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ's name was a curse word in my household. If something bad happened, you know, you say it in a blasphemous way. That was all I really, all the real knowledge I had about him. But reading Ellen White's writings there showed me a God, uh, and then she talks about Jesus Christ coming down to show the infinite love of God, wanting to clear up the misconceptions of God's character that Satan had spread uh, there. And that really struck me, uh, led me to read the New Testament, read the Sermon on the Mount, where I saw an ethical presentation that is very, very uh, like Confucianism and other, other elements from Eastern religions. Good ethics, morals, is what we really want to be like, but unfortunately we lack the power to carry that out. And as I was reading that Sermon on the Mount, uh, I learned that it's because of a lack of a relationship with Christ. At the end, there are people calling him Lord, Lord, but they can't enter into heaven. Why not? Jesus says, I never knew you. I never, you never took advantage of this personal relationship that you could have with me. It's why you have no power. And jumping back to Laos, this is the Lao people understand this and they start to see this there, that I can have a personal relationship with God, that the, the respect and the things that I do don't have to just be an act, but my heart can actually be changed through this relationship with a personal God, that I can actually have the power not to have to just put on a show but I can truly love. I can truly enter into this work of God that he wants to work in the world, giving a revelation of God's true character, giving a revelation of the love of God. This really strikes them. Now, it's very difficult for a Lao person to convert in many Asian religions because it's so collectivist to put, you put shame upon your family by converting. And in different religions, it's different. Uh, I was just reminded, I think, by Brittany, who was also in Laos, that for their understanding of Buddhism, uh, when your parents die, your little rituals you do by feeding them at the, with the shrines and different things like this, you're taking care of your deceased loved ones. And therefore, if you don't believe in the same religion, the, the parents can say, who's going to take care of me after death? What's going to be happening? So they have this strange belief that can make it very difficult. And obviously, Nutt's family was very against her becoming a Christian. And their family even threatened to, to call the cops on the Bible studies that were happening and, and different things she had to go through uh, to, in order to convert. But this idea of a personal God carried her through 
those tough times, knowing that God was with her, knowing that God could live in her and empower her and give her the strength to deal with these things helped her to get through it. And now today, uh, her, her family, her mother, I know is dealing with some, some health issues and her mother now comes to her for prayer. Her mother now sees the change in Nut and she sees that this personal God, this Christian God has given her power and has changed her life for the better. And now her mom comes to her. She has become a witness for her family. And I just want to emphasize how important it is to show people this, to give people an understanding. I said at the beginning, I love the Asian culture. I love the respect. I love the positive things they bring there. And, and when you see an Asian person with this respect and this love and this knowing how to treat people, bring it, or, or get converted to Christianity, uh, that's what, when I went to Laos, I experienced these Lao people who had been converted so lovely, so nice. It doesn't even seem like an oppressive communist country that you're in most of the time, especially when you're around Lao Christian people. It is such a refreshment. And for us today, I want to emphasize and, 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 and encourage us not to neglect this personal relationship with God. As Americans, we may never have had this, this problem of having Jesus Christ so misrepresented to us most of our life. We've heard good things about him all of our life, but our, our temptation is to take it for granted. Our temptation is not to pursue this relationship with God. When we're interested in a person of the opposite sex, it's very easy to pursue with all of our energy that relationship try to get to know the person better, to want to do good for the person, to want to even change for the person. Uh, there, very, we have this motivation, high motivation. For God, it should be infinitely better. It should be infinitely more. There, every single day, he's infinite, so we're never gonna know him perfectly. All through eternity, we'll be getting to know him. So I wanna encourage us, uh, as we think uh, upon these scriptures, especially upon 1 John 5.20, strengthen your relationship with God. Keep gaining an understanding. Keep getting to know him better and better and help others to get to know him. Whether they're Christian already, whether they need to become Christian, whether they are wondering about the true God, be able to show him to others. This is my prayer for us. Father in heaven, I want to thank you once again that you are a personal God that we have an opportunity, each and every one of us individually can have uh, such a close and, and, and intimate relationship with you. Help us, Lord, not to take it for granted. Help us not to prioritize other things above this relationship. Help us to reveal your love. Help us to, to fulfill the law of love by strengthening this relationship with you. Please be in us. Help us to continue this day, this beautiful Sabbath day, worshiping you in spirit and in truth.